Between Justin Powell and Donovan Mitchell, there's a lot of stuff to talk about on this episode of the show. Let's get right on into it. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome in to this episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. Happy Friday. My name is Dalton Pence, your host. For those who are not aware of who I am, I am a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in various sports. I want to take this time, as always, to personally thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And just a reminder, the Lockdown Global Podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. It'll be a basketball-centered show for this episode. Um, We'll start out talking about if Tennessee transfer Justin Powell would be a good fit for the Cardinals program. We will then take a step back and talk a little bit about the NBA, where Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz had an unexpected or had an unexpected and disappointing loss to the Dallas Mavericks in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. We'll discuss how the roster could shake up for next season for the Jazz, and we'll play a hypothetical at the end of the episode. Um, discussing some of the best landing spots for Donovan Mitchell should he request a trade from the Jazz. Uh, But we'll start out talking about Justin Powell. Um, The former Trinity slash North Oldham product has spent his first two uh, collegiate basketball seasons in the SEC, first with the Auburn Tigers, and then most recently last season with the Tennessee Volunteers. He is back in the transfer portal. Um... It's an interesting situation. I'm not necessarily sure if there is any type of um, you know penalty for him being in the transfer portal again, utilizing that one-time transfer. I'm not necessarily sure if he has to sit out or anything like that. I would assume not. Um, it seems like uh, the NCAA is granting players waivers more often than not. And like I said, I, I'm a little bit ignorant to the situation, so I'm not necessarily sure if there is any type of a penalty in terms of sitting out or anything like that for next season. But I'm going to operate under the assumption that he will be available um, for a potential team next season. Um, In terms of how that relates to Louisville, well, there has been some reports. I think it was from Travis Graff, uh, a a staff writer of the Louisville Rivals site. And like I said, I don't have a subscription to um, Cardinal Authority or – Louisville rivals or anything like that. I am in a Discord chat with a handful of other Louisville fans, and sometimes they post screenshots. This was one of the screenshots um, from Travis Graff, who has been on the money and has been grinding when it comes to recruiting news for the Louisville basketball front. So shout out to Travis. Um, it basically said that I, I I think it said that Louisville has been in contact uh, or has reached out to Justin Powell. And there's interest from Powell's um, side of things to join the program. It's kind of whether or not it's up to whether or not Kenny Payne wants him to be a uh, member of the team. Um, he would definitely entertain it. Justin Powell, um, that is, Justin Powell would entertain it. Um, but like I said, I'm kind of paraphrasing. I apologize if I'm looking into that in the wrong way and um, maybe misinterpreting what Travis is saying. But ultimately, it seems like contact has at least been made. Um, now, whether or not that uh, gains any legs and we see um, Justin Powell become a, a legitimate option to join the team next season, well, that's kind of yet to be seen. But I, I kind of want to take this time to 
And so the question, you know, should the Louisville Cardinals go after Justin Powell? And I think that there's there's a complex answer for both sides. Obviously, it seems like there have been rumors about, you know, maybe off the court issues and uh, maybe like an attitude, um, you know, issue as well. And, and here's my response to that. I, I mean, and unless there's truly concrete evidence of that, um, I don't necessarily put a ton of stock into it. What I will say is that if Kenny Payne is all for bringing um, Justin Powell onto the team and he's confident in him and wants him to be a part of this program, who am I to say that he's wrong? It's kind of like the situation with Imani Bates. We talk about, okay, well, there's some off-the-court stuff that you might have to deal with. There's some attitude stuff and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I kind of treat that in in the same respect. And that's, you know, that's the style of thinking of, okay, if Kenny Payne wants him in this program, then so do I. Because, you know, he, obviously, Kenny is playing chess out here and um, really just overall doing a great job of recruiting. And, you know, it, it seems like the type of player that he wants are her- our uh, character. A high character, I combine both of those words, are high character guys that um, are willing to sacrifice something to be a part of something greater than themselves and you know, be part of something special. And if Kenny Payne believes that um, you know um, this player or that player is a player that fits into what he's looking for, for the University of Louisville, then you know who's who's to disagree with that. So, um, but from a basketball perspective, there's no doubt that Justin Powell has the talent to be an ACC level guard. Um, in his first season with Auburn, or I, I should say his first college basketball season, his only season with Auburn, um, appeared in ten games before he suffered a season-ending injury. Um, was huge for the Tigers before Sharif Cooper came into the picture. And, um, you know, kind of took the Tigers by storm. Um, But Powell, in the first 10 games of the season, averaged 11.7 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, 4.7 assists on 43% shooting from the field, 44% from behind the arc, 77% from the free throw line. So overall was affecting the game in many different ways. Um, I remember watching Justin Powell basically grow up in Kentucky high school basketball, starting out with Trinity. Uh, being a tertiary scoring option alongside David Johnson and Jay Scrub. He ends up going to Montverde and comes back to North Oldham. And I remember watching him in the King of the Bluegrass really, really, um, you know, leave his mark on the court, show bystanders why he is a high-caliber um, Division One basketball player. So uh, the talent is there. Last season at Tennessee doesn't necessarily get the minutes. I, I know in year one got about 27.6 minutes per game. Last year at Tennessee appeared in 30 games for the Volunteers, but only played 14.1 minutes per game on average. Shot the ball 39% from the field, 38% from behind the arc, 3.7 points, 1.5 rebounds, 0.7 assists, really didn't necessarily do all that well. So it, it really, you know, bodes the question, what would the role be for Justin Powell here at Louisville? Or I, I guess the the real question is, you know, what would the best role be um, that would make you feel comfortable with taking Justin for this team? And I think that um, I think that Justin's a very, very talented player. At the end of the day, if there are some off the court issues, uh, and, and maybe there is some substance to 
Um, you know, maybe some attitude problems. Like I said, this is all hypothetical. I'm not insinuating that I believe them. I'm not indicating that I think they're true. I'm just posing the question, hypothetically speaking, if there is some merit to the attitude issues or even maybe past off the court issues. Um, and Kenny Payne still acknowledges, you know, that he wants Justin here, then I, I'm okay with it. Like it's all a matter of if the, if the coaching staff wants a certain player here, I'm not in a position to tell them that they're wrong because they obviously know more than I do. So from a basketball standpoint, I think the thing that makes the most sense if you were to go after a player like Justin Powell, I think it's for a, a rotational role. I don't necessarily think he comes in and, and becomes a starter. Uh, the best case scenario for the Cardinals is getting a commitment from both Tyrese Hunter and Amani Bates and then having Justin Powell as a, um, a second unit um, you know, two guard or even, you know, a player that even brings the ball to the court because I, I think that he has solid ball handling for his size. I mean, Justin Powell is, is a player with, with solid size at 6'6", 197 pounds. So you don't necessarily have to worry about the frame. I think that, um, you know, his ability to create his own shot, he's a very, very solid perimeter shooter. And I think that, you know, he's a player that crashes the boards um, very effectively as well. So affects the game in many different facets. And um, that's one reason why I think, you know, adding a player of his caliber, especially to a rotational role to where he's not necessarily a starter, but you have that quality coming off the bench. That's why I think that this Cardinals team, the, the, the ceiling could be incredible, but it all may depend on, you know, who else gets added to this team, because let's say you do add a Tyrese Hunter and an Imani Bates. The starting five is incredible. You're probably talking Hunter, L. Ellis, Imani Bates, Brandon Huntley, Hadfield, and Sidney Curry. But it's the second unit. It is the second unit that makes me believe, okay, this team has something special. Because if you look at the second unit, you're thinking, okay, um, you know, Justin Powell, one of Tyrese Hunter and L. Ellis, uh, Jalen Withers, uh, Kamari Lands slash Devin Ree, uh, Roosevelt Wheeler slash J.J. Trainer. So, you know, the list goes on. You finally have quality depth to the point to where when the starters do come out, you're not necessarily getting a uh, a huge drop-off in, in terms of production. So I'm interested in uh, the next couple weeks waiting to see if Louisville does go after Justin Powell because I think if they do, then they have a very solid chance in getting him. But if they don't, um, it, it is what it is. Uh, it might necessarily be hard to... Um, convince Justin that, hey, you you don't necessarily have a guaranteed starting spot here. It, it, it might be likely that you come off the bench. It may be hard to convince a player of that role, um, especially a player that has had some success in the SEC. He may look to go to a, a, a program to where he's going to get major minutes and be a focal point focal point or one of the focal points of our respective offense. So at the end of the day, it all is a matter of whether or not Kenny Payne decides to pursue Justin Powell. But if he does, I, I think that it would be a very solid move. It adds a solid depth piece, a player that's from the city of Louisville um, and overall just um, having a quality guard uh, to come off the bench. So that's really uh, my line of thinking. Um, and we'll continue to talk about more players. Um, you know, next week I think we'll discuss Malachi Smith from Chattanooga um, early on in the week. But um, I, I kind of want to take a step back from college basketball and focus on the pros, the NBA, where unfortunately 
the Utah Jazz came up short in the Western Conference playoffs, losing in disappointing fashion to the Dallas Mavericks in the first round. It's no secret something has to give for the Utah Jazz. We will discuss what that could look like here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Summer is quickly approaching us, as we've been saying, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. You can throw them in your book bags, in your kids' backpacks. Uh, Make sure that everyone has a bar so that you are fueled for your summer adventures. Uh, All Built Bars and Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. All you have to do is um, you know go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart and check out all of the healthy benefits because like I mentioned you don't necessarily have the same qualities of a candy bar due to the um, you know the health benefits but they taste essentially the same most built bars contain anywhere from 180 calories um, four grams of sugar four net carbs and 17 grams of protein uh, you can compare that to a candy bar and it is night and day go to built.com check out all of the different flavors and the varieties that they have use the promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off of your order once again that's going to built.com and using the promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off hey cardinal fans thanks again for making locked on Louisville your first listen every day um, and just a reminder, the Locked On Global podcast is free on all streaming services five days a week. Your team every day. I've mentioned this a couple times with the Utah Jazz. First with um, Shane Young, the NBA columnist and writer for uh, Forbes.com, my good friend, when he came on the show a couple weeks ago. And um, also when I went on, um, I, I filled in for Mike Rutherford and hosted the Mike Rutherford show on um, Thursday afternoon. I talked about this at the very end of the show. And for starters, I want to say thank you to everyone that tuned in, um, that showed support on social media, that, uh, you know, um, participated in the text line, that just sent me a a, a nice message, a kind message, kind words about, um, you know, how I did. I really do appreciate it. I I do want to give a shout out to Mike Rutherford, to uh, Trevor Kelsey. Um, Dugan Ryan, you know, Big X Radio, all of that good stuff. Ultimately, it was a very fun time. And for all of those that have found this channel, due to me talking about it um, on the Mike Rutherford Show, welcome. Definitely appreciate you all, and hopefully you have a fun time learning about what I have to say. But in relation to the Utah Jazz, I mentioned on the episode with Shane Young that maybe they run it back next season if they go far enough but the biggest disaster would be the utah jazz losing in the first round of the nba playoffs to not only a dallas mavericks team but a dallas mavericks team with a um luka Doncic that missed the first part of the series and unfortunately that came true the utah jazz are now being faced with a very critical offseason Because something needs to happen. As Shane Young said, the ceiling has sort of been reached here for Utah. I'm not necessarily convinced that the Jazz can win an NBA title with this respective core. Now, there were rumors. There was a report. I don't know who it was from. There was a report that uh, Rudy Gobert went to the Jazz uh, front office personnel and basically said, hey, it's me or Donovan Mitchell. You have to pick one. I know that Rudy Gobert, in uh, response to that, seemingly tweeted out, you know, anything, you know, 
anything gets said nowadays, rumors and stuff like that. So maybe there's not necessarily a bunch of merit to that rumor. But what I will say is when that where there is smoke, there is fire. It seems like tensions may have been building through the conclusion of the season. Utah started out very, very solid. Donovan Mitchell goes down, and the Jazz really are never able to gain their swagger back throughout the rest of the season. So that begs the question now, what do the Jazz need to do? Is it a is it a move for Donovan or Rudy? I, I think that it's easier said than done. I will say this shouldn't come as a shock, but if a move was to be made uh, between the two star players, it would almost certainly be Rudy Gobert being sent out of Utah before Donovan Mitchell. Um, obviously, Rudy making over $40 million a year um, into his mid-30s. It's going to be hard to um, you know justify paying a traditional center that much money, and you're almost kind of guaranteeing that you'll never win an NBA title with Rudy Gobert making that much money. Um, you know, with the current sense of the NBA, if this was 2012, it would be totally different. But unfortunately, right now in 2022, with the shift of the modern NBA and how things have been so perimeter shooting centric, it's just hard to really imagine that um, a team paying Rudy Gobert over 40 million dollars a season is going to be a true title contender. Um, so if it came down between those two, you would have to assume that Rudy Gobert would be on the move. Uh, uh, a small market team or a team that maybe is looking to anchor its defense, maybe like the Dallas Mavericks, maybe like the Charlotte Hornets, um, you know, so on and so forth. Someone would go after Rudy Gobert, but it definitely, if it came down between Donovan and Rudy, unless Donovan full out just um, asked for a trade, then I, I would imagine that uh, Rudy would be the first one out. But ultimately, I, I don't think that the Jazz get that. Um, um, I don't think that the Jazz get that um, you know, overreactive so fast um, unless there is bad blood between the two and there is a dissonance, and I'm not necessarily sure if there is one, but if there is, it would make sense uh, that one of them would want out. Uh, but ultimately, I think it really just kind of comes down to the supporting cast. And it's difficult to really tool a roster when you have uh, Donovan Mitchell making – you know, about $30 million a year, but also Rudy Gobert making more than that. So, um, sorry. That's one thing about these podcasts. I hate to take drinks in the middle of the show because it's just kind of awkward. And if you're listening to it audio-wise, you're like, uh, but I mean, talking for 30 minutes at a time by yourself kind of gets a little bit, you know, stra straining on your voice. But ultimately, like I was saying, Rudy and Donovan – comprise a good amount of the Utah Jazz salary cap. When you look at their cap situation for the next handful of seasons, um, their payroll actually goes up next season, which is an alarming thing. Um, it decreases by $20 million, uh, into the 2023-24 season, and then obviously a lot of money is on the book, off the books for 24-25. In fact, Rudy and Donovan are the only two that are on the books after 24-25. But obviously, you probably can't wait for all of that to to go down, so so what are some moves? Who could be on the move that could clear up some space? Well, uh, Mike Conley has been one of the better three point shooters for this team. Uh, volume shooting, you have to um, you know answer the question. If not for these guys, then who is going to legitimately come in and be a clear cut upgrade? That's the question because guys like Mike Conley, Bojan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson. All three of these guys are making over $13 million annually, but they fit this 
or they fit what this team needs and what the identity of this team needs with Quinn Snyder. And it's just so hard to really imagine Utah having any avenue to get significantly better to where they're truly competing for an NBA title. Because like like I said, this year they were in the 4-5 matchup. And, and I'm not saying that they can't improve for next season, but you have the Clippers coming back with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Jamal Murray is going to be back for the Denver Nuggets. You have some other teams that could possibly find their way uh, making some noise. So um, the West is only going to get better, in my opinion. Yes, you can move on from a guy like Royce O'Neal, who's making just under $10 million a year, but then you lose one of your better perimeter defenders. Uh, Honcho, uh, I think it's, yeah, it's Honcho Hernan Gomez. I, I think I'm one, I, I'm mispronouncing that. I apologize. Uh, he's making $6 million. Maybe you could, um, You'll look to get a value signing in at the end of the second rotation. Rudy Gay is 35 years old, making over, um, you know, close to six million a year. So, um, you know, you can make some room for a marginal signing. Um, because, but then again, Hassan Whiteside needs to get re-signed. Nikhil Alexander Walker has a team option. Uh, Yudoka Ezebuki has a team option. Um, Eric Pascal is a free agent. Daniel House is a free agent, um, and then Jared Butler. We'll be back next season. Um, excuse me. But ultimately, there are not a lot of moves to be made with the Utah Jazz. And I think that that's kind of where I'm sitting at. And I'm like, yeah, they need to get better. But realistically, I mean, who's going to pay that much for Mike Conley? Uh, what team is going to be able to, um, you know, take on some of these other contracts? And I just don't necessarily see. Um, any type of substantial growth to the Utah Jazz unless they trade away Rudy Gobert. And even then, a lot of times when you're trading away a star caliber player, the return on investment is almost never equal. So a lot of it would probably be draft compensation and trying to retool around Donovan maybe in a year or two. But ultimately, it's an interesting situation for Utah. So, uh, But let's play, in hypo- let's play a hypothetical. Let's say... That Donovan Mitchell wants out. And because people are going to get this misconstrued, I don't want this to be said that it's, oh, Dalton Pence is uh, claiming that Donovan Mitchell wants a trade. No, in fact, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying that if Donovan Mitchell were to want out this offseason, what would be some ideal landing spots for the former Louisville Cardinals star. We will discuss those three landing spots here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's Run to the Roses as the Kentucky Derby is back. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website to date or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Final segment of the show dedicated to a hypothetical, assuming that Donovan Mitchell would want out, or not really assuming at all, um, you know, you know, entertaining the idea that if Donovan Mitchell wanted out, what would be some of the top landing spots? And this is this was a, a question that I kind of went back and forth on, um, mold over some teams. Um, there's basically two schools of thought. Number one, if you're if if you're predicting Donovan Mitchell to possibly go to a contender, which one would have the finance 
would have the financial opportunities to be able to um, you know, want to go after Donovan Mitchell. And how much would Donovan Mitchell truly move the needle for said team? And then you could also um, you know, have the second school of thought to where it's, okay, maybe it's not necessarily a title contender, but one that's looking to jump into that contention um, you know, group. How would Donovan Mitchell uh, be added to this team and and have them, you know, in title contention? There aren't that many teams that fit the category. I, I think it really is just a matter of opportunity and um overall just being able to you know financially afford donovan mitchell's contract there are three teams that come in mind the miami heat new york knicks and portland trailblazers miami's probably the title the only title contender in my opinion that would truly make sense trading for donovan mitchell um you obviously want to uh maximize what this team is able to do and it looks like that they're going to make the eastern conference finals after they defeat the philadelphia 76ers um but you know, it, it, if you add Donovan Mitchell, you definitely can get better. You can form a legit big three with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and then Donovan Mitchell. Um, you know, Jimmy is 32. Maybe they look to find, you know, an option to keep the dynasty alive because Kyle Lowry is 36. The issue with this, and I don't think they, I don't think that, um, you know, Miami would be opposed to bringing in Donovan. It's a matter of, Okay, would Utah even entertain a trade offer from the Heat? Because you have to look at it. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is under contract for three more seasons after this one, and he has a player option at the end of 2025-26, and he doesn't have a no-trade clause. So it's it's a situation to where the ball is in Utah's court. Like Donovan does not have a lot of leverage, um, but I'm not necessarily sure how good of a package that Miami could put together. Uh, Contract-wise, you would have to assume that Kyle Lowry might be in the mix. Um, if not, maybe it's um, you know Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and um, you know maybe PJ Tucker is able to get uh, you know the ball rolling. But even then, I'm not even sure that it matches up financially, and you would be pretty much gutting the rotation. I think it would have to be like Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero and uh, a future first or something like that. And even then, I'm not necessarily sure if that gets it done. That's probably going to be one of the better options you would have in terms of um, you know, a possible trade offer from Miami. And then you have Jimmy, Bam, Donovan Mitchell. Um, Duncan Robinson it seems like a gross overpay at this time, um, almost virtually unplayable in these playoffs. So I think that Miami makes a ton of sense. New York has the draft capital. Uh, future first round picks and some younger players to be able to uh, maybe throw together an enticing package, um, whether or not that's, you know, Obi Toppin, um, you know, Cam Reddish, you know, a, a package with Obi, Cam, uh, maybe, um, you know, like Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly. They have multiple first round picks, all of their first round picks coming up. You know, is is Julius Randle a, a potential fit? Uh, so on and so forth. It, it, it's one of those to where, I think the Knicks hang up the phone if um, if the Utah Jazz ask for R.J. Barrett, which, you know, negotiating-wise, they probably should, although that would 100% not be a legitimate trade um, that would happen. But I feel like the Knicks could possibly throw together a package that makes sense. 
um, surrounded by, you know, multiple first round picks, you know, maybe two, possibly three, depending on who the players are involved. And it makes sense for New York because you, you get a player who uh, is from the Northeast, uh, a very marketable star that um, is, you know, uh, a, a very solid icon in terms of, you know, being a, you know, a true star in Salt Lake City. And then you bring him to the Mecca of basketball and to the Big Apple, Madison Square Garden, to where, you know, his electric style of play would be exactly what the doctor ordered for the uh, New York Knicks. And if you have the potential to pair Donovan Mitchell with R.J. Barrett, um, you know, I think it's an opportunity that the Knicks would love to go after Donovan Mitchell because if not Donovan, then who? Who realistically, uh, in terms of a star player, would 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 come to New York? Um, and then, like I said, you have Donovan under contract for uh, a multiple, um, you know, multiple seasons. So, I think you're talking. I mean, like Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes. You know, two first round picks is probably a conversation starter. I'm not necessarily sure what the consensus trade value is for Donovan Mitchell. I would assume that Utah values him a little bit more than other teams across the league just because that's usually how protocol works. But ultimately, the Knicks make a lot of sense. A dark horse team would be the Portland Trailblazers. Now, do I think it would work? Probably not because... Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum didn't necessarily work out, and I do think that uh, Donovan Mitchell is better than C.J. McCollum. But you're talking about a Portland team that has to make some moves or they're going to lose Damian Lillard. Eventually, Lillard, who's 31 years old, is going to request a trade. Um, That's just kind of my intuition and and how I see the situation. Uh, Two more years left on his contract. They have to maximize his prime. He's 31 years old, probably playing the best ball of his career. Um... After this season, you have some money coming off the books. I think there's like $30 million coming off the books. Uh, Eric Bledsoe's contract is partially guaranteed. Same with, um, I think Josh Hart is the same way. I could be completely wrong, but Joe Ingles' contract is off the books. If you could re-sign a guy like Joe Ingles, I think that that would be um, you know, a huge possibility. Maybe not necessarily to sway Donovan outright, but um, it, it would make sense. Uh, because you go out and you get a star caliber player in the backcourt that helps Damian Lillard out. You have draft capital, um, you know, down the road in which it would make sense to trade away, you know, you'll maybe two first round picks, maybe the one that's not yours, the Milwaukee first rounder and another one, you know, cause you compare Damian Lillard with Donovan Mitchell. And then you have a, um, you know, a contract um, offer for Anthony Simons that you can bring back. Um, so a, a possible trade option, like I said, Portland, it's more the, the possibility is probably based around draft picks. Um, you could probably throw in Nasir Little, maybe a sign in trade with Anthony Simons, uh, Keon Johnson, a young player you could throw into the mix, maybe a guy like Josh Hart, probably not, but you could, you could try it. And then multiple first round picks. It, it would just, it wouldn't surprise me should Portland look to try to trade for a star, a disgruntled star. Um, if Donovan were disgruntled, like I said, this is all hypothetical. But they have to do something to try to move the needle and maximize their, um, you know, their their time with Damian Lillard, or you know, it's going to get too late. So ultimately, it's an interesting situation. But um, 
hey, that's going to wrap up this Friday edition of the show. A couple quick shout-outs. Uh, the Locked On ACC podcast, all of your conference news, 30, day, 30 days, 30 minutes a day, five days a week. Check that out at Locked On ACC on Twitter. Um, I want to give a shout-out to everyone that is liking, sharing, subscribing, rating um, you know the podcast on all streaming services. We are close to 400 subscribers, which is incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you have any content ideas or have any questions, comments, definitely hit me up on Twitter. You see my um, personal tag in the um, graphic below. But, hey, that's going to wrap up this Friday edition of the show. Everyone have a great day. We will see you right back here next week.